the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2. We usually do Fridays with George Kaloff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president of Data Orbital. Uh, We usually do a couple segments with him. He's in studio and with us for the hour. Happy to take your calls as well. So let me give you uh, our phone number, 602-508-0960. Any polling questions, any election questions, uh, he knows the answers to them all. There's the setup, George. There's the setup. Between the two of us, we'll do our best, but delighted to have George in studio. What are you seeing, George? It's uh, it's different. It's looking different than it was about even three months ago, two months ago, a month ago, huh? Yeah, it, it is. And all, first off, always good to be on with you, Thank Seth. You. Always good uh, there's a lot to see. That's part of the problem. Every morning I'm spending a, a lot of time because, look, we're not just tracking what's happening in Arizona. Right? We're consumers of, of what happens across the country, as, as we all know. And, you know, what I'm seeing is a good election for Republicans. Uh, I am pushing back against folks that I think are trying to temper that. I'm not saying that it's going to be a red wave in the sense of we're going to get to 60 seats in the Senate and, you know, nationally and some crazy things. But it's going to be a very good year for Republicans and there are a whole host of reasons that we could unpack. And I think that the data here in Arizona, you know, bears that out as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, just if you even just look at the Blake Masters race against Mark Kelly, just the trend al- alone is is indicative of something. You, you do have one poll out this morning, which now has him in the lead over Mark Kelly. But even the tr- the trend is almost more important than that one poll, isn't it? The trend trend of Blake Masters creeping up on Mark Kelly and now being so many polls within the margin of error, don't you think? Uh, we look for trends more so than That's any one poll, yeah. right? And three months ago, and you alluded to it, we were not heading in the right direction. Right. We were thinking that Republicans would be lucky if we got to 50-50, which is where we are today in the U.S. Senate. And we were lucky if we won any one of We Nevada. really were. I, remind pe- I want to remind people, you're absolutely right. We really were saying, I don't think we get the Senate. Now it's how much. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania. We were lucky if we were going to get one. J.D. Vance in Ohio was in trouble. Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. <laughs> Some people were talking about Ted Budd in North Carolina and Marco Rubio, for God's sakes, in Florida. And all of a sudden, none of those people even talked about. And there's a conceivable chance that we wake up on Wednesday, November 9th, and we've won Arizona, Nevada, uh, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And heck, there's a chance we win New Hampshire. Now, New Hampshire is in play. Everyone is now learning the name of the Republican candidate, New Hampshire. Herschel Walker's looking really yes. good. And some of that is indicative of what money's coming late. Look, uh, and I like to say money like, uh, and I'm sure listeners will chuckle, like in marriage, money doesn't make people happy. Money cannot make you win. A lack of money can make your life a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. But when you have the momentum that you have and you have late money, Blake Masters is now benefiting from $8 million coming in in the final two weeks of the election. The general in New Hampshire, I think it's 3 to $4 million. Herschel Walker, millions. Oz himself put in a million in his campaign, and there's a lot of outside spending. There's a lot of people spending a lot of money late. That matters. Laxalt's seeing the same thing. And politics is about momentum. And right now, momentum is at the back of the Republicans. By the way... On that New Hampshire race, some late money came in for the Republican, um, but he, it, he's he's now neck and neck. 
by being outspent, I think, I think four to one. I mean, or if not more, I mean, and I think Blake is being outspent something along those lines. To, to, have, to overcome that kind of disparity in where the money is and be neck and neck, that's its own story, too. Isn't it, it is. It is. And look, I think Republicans were used to this is a depressing thing to say. I think Republicans are used to being outspent. Mm hmm. But it helps when we're on the right side of the Yeah, issue. yeah, yeah. It helps when we better. have the truth so in, on our side yeah. and when the country is in such a difficult position that it is. Again, we got excited. I'm, I'm excited once again. Gas is back down to 419 in the Phoenix metro area, well above the national average. People are being hurt, yeah. right? We know people are being hurt. And there is one party that's in leadership right now, and people are taking note of it. And then now it's amazing. I will say one other note. Uh, we haven't talked about this one state from a gubernatorial perspective, New York. I saw some statistics yeah. being put out there. Well, it's like, well, crimes, you know, they're trying to explain that crime's not actually that bad. I mean, look at some other state that has whatever more crime. And I'm like, you know, things are bad when you're trying to wish away the crime narrative in New York, which mm – -hmm is a very serious thing. They're trying to pretend like it doesn't exist. It's so serious that the Republican candidate for governor, Lee Zeldin, there was a shooting outside his own private house, yes. and a man attacked him with a knife on stage that he had to wrestle to the ground. I mean, this is there is no safe place in America anymore, and the Democrats are trying to tell us that the problem is Republicans creating fear about crime. Not the crime, but the Republican rhetoric. They want us to shut up about it, obviously, just like they're telling us that the border is secure, I suppose, and that we can't talk about item after item after item we're making up crime rates yeah we're making up heartbeats yep. according oh, right. to stacy abrams right. in georgia who's running to to be governor as a democrat we're making up all kinds of things nothing that we believe apparently is real all of it is a hunter biden laptop was russian disinformation right? people like you and i all across the country we're just sitting around every day waking up saying what thing can we make up yeah. today to go slight the other party yeah. and uh but that's the narrative that they believe yeah right that is the narrative that they believe and it's uh, or at least the leadership right believes and people are like hey i don't that doesn't make sense to me and they're they're pushing back um we've got calls we invited calls i have so much to ask you but uh, i've always i always say the audience is the most important voice can i uh, can i throw you open to the audience and we'll get into some of this along the way let's do it george kaloff is our guest uh, i'll just go by uh people who have been on hold the longest charles and phoenix you've been patient thank you sir you're on with me and george kaloff yes sir uh the thought that keeps running across my mind is it, wasn't it Stalin who said it, what matters is who counts the votes? It doesn't matter, uh, you know. Isn't he the guy that said that? It, I, I've heard it thrown around. I, I've, I, but, but, but it's so, someone out of the Soviet Union said the, it, something okay. like that. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, what I, see, that's what I'm thinking about because I saw that demonstration with the uh, Army computer forensics colonel who used to help yeah, the three-letter agencies here yeah, for elections. Uh -huh. Yeah. And all that traffic came, that came from China and all over the place, and these. So the question know, is security. election integrity and uh, and how 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 strong is it? We're going to have a ton of observers here, George. I mean, I, I I think I think I think we're if we're if there's going to be complaints about election integrity, it's going to come from Democrats, don't you? We have done a considerable amount of work. Yeah, a lot of work left to go. We've done a considerable amount of work to have more observers, to have more attorneys, the national groups, local groups. We've got some really trusted people. Uh, that folks should feel confident in. That doesn't mean everything has been solved. One example of which is, for example, Proposition 309 that we've talked about right. that has new no voter ID, right? There are things that need to still be fixed. There is no doubt about it. But we have come a long way. We're not going to get caught flat-footed. We need to continue to focus on this issue. But I do believe that we have come a long way from where we were. Yeah, I think if there are going to be claims, by and large, on uh, voting irregularities uh, or fraud or stolen elections or anything like that, I think it's going to be coming from the Democrats. 
Jones. I think. I think. I think. Um, but you know, they have they have spun Penelope's web here for themselves, uh, given the rhetoric of the last two or three weeks. And it's going to be hard to memory hole how much they've said you can't question an election, even as Joe Biden, even as Stacey Abrams, even as Hillary Clinton, even as Jerry Nadler, even as James Clyburn have been questioning elections. Let me go to Fred in Phoenix. Hello, Fred. You're on with George Kaloff and me. Oh, hi there. Uh, just uh, a question about polls in general. I can't begin to tell you how many texts and phone calls I've gotten asking for my opinion in polls. I will tell you I hang up on them. Therefore, <laughs> my voice and nobody else's of similar ilk is even being expressed. And I wish to heaven that the evening news would not get these false numbers because you have a large contingency of stupid voters who will go ahead and say, oh, so-and-so is ahead. I want to be a winner. I'll vote for them, too. How on earth can we stop that? Okay, Fred, great questions all along the line here. You're talking to an expert on polling in George. George, there's a lot to that question, a lot in it, a lot around it. First of all, let me uh, let me refer, let me break it down for a few in a few different ways. How accurate is are the polls? Is the finger on one side? And what kind of results do we get from the various kinds of polling? Do they tend to favor one side or the other? Uh, you know, the question that Fred asked is important because again, if we believe that politics is about momentum and there's a lot of politics that's about momentum, polling numbers do give certain people momentum and give other people a lack of it. I saw a statistic today, and I want to note this, and then I'll kind of give yeah. some thoughts on what you said, that the response rates for white Democrats were a lot higher than white Republicans. Mm -hmm. Okay, This is not a silver bullet answer, but what that means is that there is a lack of voice and representation for the base of the Republican Party, which is the, you know, the, the white non-college educator, college educator doesn't matter, but the white Republican is not responding as high as the white Democrat. But, and it was not a small margin, by the way. Okay, uh, The polling industry does not have a solution for that offhand. We need to do something about it. And I will say right now, polls are leaning more towards Democrats, and that is a problem. They are underrepresenting the Republican voice. I think the polling industry is preparing to sort of miss the mark, to, so to speak, going into this election. We can unpack that more after the break. But we are in trouble from a polling perspective, and we need to continue to come up with creative ways to reach voters. Okay, good. That's a great start. Uh, we'll, we'll finish out the answer when we come back. we got some other calls for George as well, and we have room for more. 602-508-0960. I'm Seth Liebson. He is George Kaloff, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. More than ever, it is a good time if you are thinking about moving some of your money out of the stock market into precious metals and gold to think about the Midas Gold Group. It's the only precious metals dealer I trust and use, Seb Gorka trusts and use, and that thousands of you already also trust and use. The veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, because those pulling the strings behind the Biden administration want to know everything about your finances. Precious Metals protects your financial privacy. MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call. They're locally based. 480-360-3000. That's 480 360 
thousand full range of bullion honest fair great guys the midas gold group george we were talking about some contours around the polling questions and uh in the last segment and we were just starting to scratch the surface i'll let you take it from here yeah so the the final point to kind of put a bow on it when it comes to polling is and i don't want to get too wonkish but i do think it matters to folks there is a difference in terms of methodology what i mean by that is do we get responses via text message via live call automated call, online panel, you name it. And we are finding that right now we are in the place in polling where we're sort of in an all of the above because there are some people that won't respond to live calls anymore for whatever reason. And I do believe in the data that we have that is affecting Republicans more than Democrats. And Republicans are more likely to engage with the text message. And again, for whatever reason that is, that is the case. And so the polling industry has a lot of work to do. But right now, if, if listeners go to Real Clear Politics, which you and I are very familiar with, and you go to the polling aggregator, which is one of the more popular websites that collect polling numbers, they have an asterisk now. And at the bottom of this asterisk, it says, well, you need to add 3% to the whatever. Oh, really? It's amazing to me that an aggregator of statistics <laughs> has to give a misnomer <laughs> like that to say, hey, add a number, which is frankly arbitrary and unfortunately yeah. arbitrary, because we don't feel confident that this number is actually correct, like is in the data that you're looking at. Yeah. That's a big problem to have. That's not that, that cannot be the future of statistics, and folks like us need to be in the middle of helping solve that. Some people like to look to some of these betting websites to get political analysis or get their sense of the polls. What's your thought on those? I'm a big fan of collecting information through multiple facets, yep. right? People like you and I, and I know a lot of others that are listening, we go to, you read news from the right, right. you read news from the left. Right. You look at who's searching what. You see what's happening in social media. You talk to people, real human beings, amazingly, if they still <laughs> exist, that's not online. Uh, and betting websites are a part of it because – what betting websites are are non-scientific polls. If people are more willing to go in on a bet of some kind, like in sports or something else, that means there's a general perception that this individual is going to win. And unless there's a, co a cohesive effort to throw the betting markets off, which we haven't seen that in, in the time that we that this has been legal and has been 20, used. 25 years, something right? like that. Yeah. Um, it is a data point that we need. Now, if you just base everything that you think off the betting market, that's an issue. But that's the case with anything, yeah. whether it's your gut instinct, whether it's anecdote, whether it's polling, you name it. I look at all of it, and that's what informs my gut and sort of projections that I'm happy to give today in terms of who I think is going to win and by how much. I look at all of that to make that to sort of make uh, those decisions. I, mean, I think we, I might like to do that with you if we have time. Greg is in Phoenix. Greg, you're on with me and George Kaloff. Thanks, Seth and uh, George. Pleasure to speak with you. My question relates to the gubernatorial race. Uh, Carrie Lake, I'm very impressed with her. She's very poised. My question is, it uh, comes to two-part one. What are your thoughts about her chances? Because uh, Katie Hobbs seems to be really stumbling and not, not the greatest candidate. And does she have enough coattails being Carrie Lake to pull over people like Blake, Abe Hamaday, and especially someone who I haven't heard much about, Mark Fincham, who isn't warm and fuzzy like <laughs> Harry is. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't. what's going to happen with someone like that? Uh, I'd be happy to listen. Yeah, uh, great, great questions. I, I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, if you didn't, someone or I would have. Those are great questions for George. Coattails so, of Carrie Lake and her chances. Uh, I believe strongly that Carrie Lake will be the next governor of the state of Arizona. And I believe that Carrie Lake will win by somewhere between 5 and 6%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I believe that Carrie Lake will have enough coattails to pull across the finish line, someone like Blake Masters, and I believe Blake can win by about uh, half a percent to a percent. It's going to be close. To right? two, two and a half. Okay. I think he can win, but it's going to be a lot tighter than Kerry. I also believe that we are on pace as Republicans to pick up all of the statewide offices. 
because I do believe that if Kerry wins by 5 or 6%, I don't believe there are enough voters this cycle who are going to do what we call ticket splitting, which is take their ballot and vote Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, and they alternate. I don't believe that that's going to happen. Our country's too far apart today. Um, and yeah, who growing, does that anymore? I, I, think I can't think of, I I can't think, think of the person. I can't think of the model. Yeah. Yeah, very few people do. And so I do think Carrie Lake can win. And I will say one note on uh, Katie Hobbs. I like to give stories as part of my responses. Uh, I don't know if folks caught this, but a day or two ago, she was on CNN and was given a significant amount of grief. Once again, for this, the gift that keeps on giving, um, which is something we've talked about, her decision to not debate. And her answer essentially on this, you know, uh, on the show on CNN was, and these anchors were not really happy with this answer, which is like, well, that was our campaign strategy, so tough. Right for she lack didn't of a, even say tough. She just said so. She yeah. ended the sentence with so. Well, that yeah. was our campaign strategy. Yeah, but so. Better to not use a word that we can't use on uh, on air. <laughs> and so that is a big part of the reason why, again, aside from the fact that Carrie is just a naturally good candidate yeah. and she has done tremendous work since the primary to bring the party together. Uh, but I do think she's going to win. And Katie Hobbs has just not done herself any, any, any positives at all, not least of which with the debate. If I'm a Democrat, I am so upset that she's at the top of my ticket. I was looking at uh, some races around the country. I was uh, getting a lot of questions uh, from other media outlets about the race in Arizona, Carrie Lake's candidacy, which is now nationally uh, discussed as much as any candidacy anywhere in the country, I think. And I said, George, and I wonder if if, if you think uh, uh, of other names. I said, you know, Kerry has harnessed an energy that I haven't seen in our movement or party. I mean, there's I can't name more than Reagan or Trump. I have a hard time thinking of people that have harnessed the energy as much as she has. It's it's Reagan-esque. It's Trump-esque. It's, it's, it's a level and cut above almost everyone else who is running an exciting race. Yeah, it's, it's Kerry-esque. We're going to start saying that about other people. And again, another example. I don't know if folks saw her response. She was asked by a CBS reporter on one of her AMA Ask Me Anything tours about the ad by uh, the Republican Accountability Project, which is running an ad of a mother of a Capitol Police officer that was killed the day after or died the day after January 6th. Oh, yes. right. Her answer was what I advise clients to do. She obviously this woman was not in front of her and there was not like a camera as in she was on a debate. She said the entire point of her message was I cannot imagine as a mom to put myself in the shoes of a mother who lost her son. Heart stop. She's like, I'm not going to fight her. I'm not going to push back and answer. I don't know her and she doesn't know me. But as a woman and as a mother, I can only imagine her pain and I feel for her. That was her response. And Seth. Look, she is tough as nails, and no one says Carrie Lake is not tough, but you have to be soft. We are human beings. We are talking about real human being answers, and this woman, unfortunately, is being taken advantage of, in my opinion, and Carrie said something like that by this organization that is funded by, I believe, a lot of grifters that- It is a lie. It is an ad that is a lie. It's an amazing response. did not die on January 6th or from January 6th injuries. An amazing response by Carrie Lake, and she made it human because we are humans. She is Carrie-esque. She is Carrie-esque. Nicely said. Nice phrase. TM. TM. Carrie-esque. TM. You got it, Bill? Send it to the uh, TM people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Seven. He's George. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth. Delighted to be joined by George Kaloff, who is with the Resolute Group, where he is a managing partner and the president of Data Orbital Consulting. Taking your call, 602-508-0960. Tim in Peoria. Tim, you're on with George. Seth Liebson, how are you, sir? Uh, It's really nice to hear from you, Tim. I'm doing great. That's awesome. George, uh, pleasure to, uh, to talk to you and to ask this question. I, I, rhetorical questions. I guess I'm trying to figure out, has there been a, whether or not the United States is turning into a Nazi regime? Because it seems that the are attempting to redefine the word Nazism, just like they did racist, just like they did... Uh, bigot and everything else. So I'm kind of curious to find out if you're seeing any traffic on Clyburn's uh, rhetoric with regards to we are returning or we are going to Nazi Germany. How effective? Like is, this- yeah. How effective is this new line? So Jim Clyburn, number three in the House, said that if you vote Republican, the country will quote be on track to repeat what happened in Germany. Um, are they getting traction on this message? I mean, look, there is a seriousness with that word. Yeah, there is a seriousness sure with is. what happened, yep. and it's a it's it's something that is absolutely grave, and we need to be careful of. And when you throw around that word and compare every single registered Republican, everyone who believes the values that we believe in, to a horrific regime like the Nazi Germany regime or the fascist regime of Mussolini or every other fascist around the world in our history, that is dangerous, and that takes the weight of the actual word away. And yes, unfortunately, yep. I do believe there is traction because I see it on in my anecdotal circles online and people that I went to high school with or college with and we hear about it in, in polling that there are a lot of folks that are rank and file progressives that believe that people like you and I that that, that believe these things, Tim, that we are akin to fascists and Nazis. I mean they it's may horrific. not know what Nazism really was yeah, though. Is that possible, Tim? You know you know your history. George, is that possible? They the Dems have done a terrible service to history by by sanitizing the toxicity of Nazism, right? They have made it, oh, just a Republican. So I'm almost wondering, uh, I'll throw this to you, Tim. You, 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 you know students, you know history, but let me first start with George. George, is it possible these people who call you and me Nazis really don't know what Nazis were? Is it possible? I think some people don't, but the, the, the thing I'm more afraid of is that they do know, mm. and they believe what we believe. Is so dire and so is is so oppressive of whatever it is X of women of people of color you name it that we should be compared to that that is the more dangerous part they know full well what they're saying and they're still saying it and they continue to say it that is what I'm afraid is the vein in at least um, a a vocal minority if not unfortunately vocal majority of the progressive base Tim what do you say. Yeah, I, you know, I had an opportunity over over the uh, week of nine eleven to address some students in a friend's political uh, so political um, politics class, government one hundred and one, and I am just flabbergasted at the fact that they don't know their history. They don't know what Nazism is. They don't know what fascism is. A student brought up the fact that Trump was in fact a fascist, so I gave her examples of fascism as we know it, fact uh, you know fa- from factual history. And asked her to go out and identify what Trump did over his four years. <laughs> Come back to me, email me with the parents' permission, and give me some examples. I've yet to hear from that student or her parents. Yeah. But um, I'm just taken aback by the fact that Clyburn said it, yep. and that the media and other Democrats 
cheered him for it. Yeah. That's my worry. Yeah, mine too. It's it's a huge disservice, never mind a tremendous insult from a party that wants us to be concerned about anti-Semitism. We have been talking about anti-Semitism. We have been talking about anti-racist, anti-Asian bigotry. We've been talking about all kinds of bigotry. For a party that now just discovered anti-Semitism all of a sudden, it seems quite odd that they would be insulting so many Holocaust survivors and their families and their legacies by comparing Republicans to Adolf Hitler. Uh, Every day, I think I'm not going to be surprised. And every time I see something like this, and I am surprised because we are upping the ante, so to speak, and we are becoming more and more intense and radicalized in our opinions of each other. And it is so dangerous. And frankly, I say each other, but of the opinions that is often coming from the progressive base to the average Christian Republican or non-Christian Republican. It doesn't matter. Anyone who has these general beliefs, it is very frightening. We saw a professor right before the show started saying white Christians are going to start a civil war. There you go. White Christians are going to start a civil war. How do you like that? Okay, I'm Seth Liebson. He's George Kaloff. We'll be right back. Are you concerned with stock market volatility? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market? A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. YReFi is offering a investment in a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. They do very well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of that too. YReFi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right. Ten and a quarter percent. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. Tell them Seth sent you. George, we have some other calls. George Kaloff is our guest from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. But before we get to him, race, uh, race I think is really important is our county attorney's race uh, they call them the district attorney in other states I remind people of that continually because I want them to know how important this race is it's it's what determines whether Phoenix will become San Francisco really in so many decisive respects Rachel Mitchell is the candidate I have endorsed and have been uh, doing whatever I can for uh, what is that race looking like for you yeah and I, and I will you. say that that seat is the difference between this question, are bad people going to be put in jail or not? Rachel's opponent, Julie Gunnagol, has made it very clear that she's not interested in putting many bad people in jail. As we have seen in L.A., as we have seen in San Francisco, as we have seen in Portland, we do not want to compare ourselves to those places. Or New Orleans, a place that does not get reported as much but apparently is arguably worse than <laughs> totally any of right. those West Coast states. Totally right. I believe that Rachel Mitchell will be the next county attorney. From Maricopa County, I believe that she will beat Julie Gunnigal by wider margins than the last time that Julie ran, and hopefully this is the last time that Julie will run. (laughs) And I will say this race for county attorney in Maricopa County is the number one rated um, 
want want to be pickup. Desire. If, if yeah. that's a desired pickup, yeah. uh, that's a more technical word. Thanks, Seth. Uh, buy, <laughs> technical. Buy it's Friday afternoon. By uh, <laughs> by the Soros-backed groups that would very very quickly let everyone out of jail. And again, I know I am oversimplifying it, but so to speak, that is what they want to do. The cash bail, all these horrific things that we're seeing happen around the country. This and is one of the number one races the Soros. The number one. The number the, the one number race, one race that Soros is top, investing in. Top of the list in terms of what uh, what they wanted to do, and so it is an important one, but I do believe Rachel will win. But that means that voters need to go out and and hold the line and ensure that we have a county attorney that is tough and that will rise to the occasion, and Julie Gunnigal will not. By the way, I just got a report uh, from the Washington Free Beacon. I put it out on Twitter. Uh, this Mark Kelly, all these Mark Kelly statements about how he is a moderate and tough on crime. He's taken 300 and his campaign has received 350,000 from Soros organizations. This Soros stuff is everywhere at the Democratic Party. It's everywhere. He is the largest political giver in the country this cycle, double the next highest Republican, which was Dick Uline and Ken Griffin. Wow. He was in the 140 to 150 million range and they each were in the 70 million range. Wow. Every party has wealthy people, but yeah. no one systematically gives every cycle and systematically pushes an agenda that obviously people like you and I disagree with tremendously than George Soros. Yeah, he does like it better anarchy. than anyone. Because we don't like anarchy. Exactly. Uh, Dan and Phoenix had a follow-up question on bias and polling, I think. Dan, you're on with George Kaloff. Yes, hello. Um, great join the show. Thanks. So my question, my premise is that the media uh, focuses on polls, particularly early on in the election cycle, at the expense of discussing important issues related to the platforms of the candidates, and they only really report the polls to kind of shape the opinion of the public and at the expense of providing information so that uh, the people can make more informed decisions. So do you think that the media uses polls instead of actual content in order to intentionally shape opinion? Interesting question. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how much does the media rely on polling or jigger with with uh, preferred polling to shape narratives over and against the merits of an argument or the merits of the policy of a politician? Yeah. Thanks, Dan. That is a that is a really good question. I think, you know, Seth, even in your response, whether you realize you're saying this or not, I, I don't think it's a factor of if I think it's a factor of how much I do think that they utilize polling to shape our narrative. Look, all of us have an angle. So all of us are doing something to shape something, right? And we all have, we all, the people that are, you know, in the political bubble or in any amount of power with this, I do think that we have narratives that we like to set. I do think, and it's unfortunate, that there's a lot of members of the media, and I, and I don't say this word lightly, that are quite frankly lazy and that don't do due diligence on polls. And so they will give all polling equal weight. Yeah. Because what do we know that they care about? Eyeballs and clicks, the sexy headline. And if it's sexy that a Republican is losing big in a red state like Oklahoma for a while, everyone was like, oh, my God, the Oklahoma, right. this race and that race was lost. Ooh, Oklahoma gubernatorial race was lost. Uh, I mean, I mean, look, come on. We need to put things into perspective. We need to 
delve through this um, honestly. Some people just don't have the capacity to do it. But unfortunately, the rank and file individual, the voter that has a million things to worry about, we can't rely on them to have to delve deep into each right. poll. It's our job to right. do that for them. So unfortunately, I do think that there is a bias uh, because, look, it's a ready-made story that's there. Now, not every member. There's a lot of people in the media that I have conversations with regularly that are honest about what polls they put out and not. And they say, hey, look, polling you know numbers from these types of people I don't put out and these types of people oh. I do. That does not always that's not always the case. And so we need to be very diligent on that and hold the media's feet to the fire when it comes to what polls that they put out there. Nicely put. Yes. I like that phraseology. We all um, we all come to this with a certain angle. The difference, of course, is that CNN won't tell you that. And we just did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. I have an angle. Right. I have Let's an angle. Let's not pretend that we don't have an angle. I'm honest with you that I have an ideology. I have a position. I have an opinion. Roland. Oh, I lost Roland. Roland, if you uh, if you want to call back, we'll uh, happily put you on. I I apologize, uh, we 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 lost you there. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Do they use the polling to? I I suppose the media. I know the candidates do, but do the media use the polling too to try and perhaps put their finger on the scales of fundraising for the candidates? I imagine that yes. they do. Okay. Yes. Look, as someone who also runs political campaigns, yeah. I cannot tell you how often I have to push back against uh, yeah. a bad poll or to promote a good poll. Again, we all have angles. I use polling to my advantage. That doesn't mean I make up numbers, right? That's not the case at all. But of course, I'm going to uh, I'm going to promote a number that I like better and and demote <laughs> to use that phrase a number I don't like as well. Um, it's all about being honest. My angle is I have certain beliefs that I believe are better for the country, and you do too, Seth. And you've made a career out of it, and I've made a career out of it. We're very transparent about it. Be transparent about it. You have an angle, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, you name it, right and left, it's okay. Be transparent. Let's not pretend like there's any noble institution out there that has such a neutral angle that, I mean, human beings are not neutral by default, right? Human beings have beliefs, and these institutions are made up of human beings that have beliefs. So that means these institutions have beliefs. Let's just call it as it is, and I think we'll be better off for it as a country. I like it. Another way to put it. Just be honest. <laughs> yes. George, George and I will be right back. <laughs> when I go on a long run, this song, Feeling Stronger Every Day by Chicago, for those of you listening on the podcast that don't get the music, this gets me my last uh, mile and uh, gets me to a point about George, uh, who I love dearly and uh, will always have a place on this show. Despite the fact he has never once complimented my bumper music. I love your bumper music. There it is. Okay. I'm always dancing to it, whether I'm in right. studio or not. Mike and Carefree, you're on with George Kaloff. Yeah, the one race that I'm really kind of concerned about is Mark Pincham. I see tremendous attack ads on him and little little or no uh, ads supporting him. I've, you know, I'm fairly familiar with him as a candidate, and he seems very strong. And the Secretary of State's an important, as important as we learned in so many cases around the country. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks for that. How's the Mark Fincham race going? And was there not a lot of money put in there as others? Anyway, you take it. Yeah. So, so you know, what you're observing, Mike, is correct. I appreciate that question. There's not a lot of money on the Republican side uh, supporting uh, Fincham. There's more money from the Democrats opposing him. 
Not as much as we've seen, frankly, in other cycles where people really get their, you know, again, uh, the use of another technical phrase, their faces ripped off. <laughs> uh, consistently since the primary, we have seen Mark Fincham either down a point or two or up a point or two. It rate That race is close. And to go back to sort of a comment I made earlier, if I believe, and I, which I do, that Carrie Lake wins and becomes the next governor of the state of Arizona and she wins by five or six percent, I do believe that Mark Fincham wins. I don't see a scenario where in the day and age that we live in today, that there's going to be a wider gap between Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham than maybe 2 or 3%. And I believe, actually, there's not even a gap between Abe Hamaday for Attorney General, Mark Fincham for Secretary of State, and Tom Horn for Superintendent of Public Instruction. I believe all three have been running fairly close together. Uh, he has had a lot of negative attacks, but it's also, in this industry, we look for spikes of negativity. It's been very consistent. It's not like all of a sudden, in, in one or two weeks, $5 million was dropped in. It's been very consistent. But I just I have not seen it come through in the numbers. Uh, we shall see. But I am I am bullish, and I do believe that he will be the next Secretary of State as well. It's going to be closer than you know, let's say the gubernatorial race is with Kerry Lake. But I do think he'll pull it off. Interesting. Well, George, thank you. Um, we're winding down this hour with you. Uh, got a special hour coming up. We've got Nancy Bartow coming. I know that that's an important race here in LD four. You and I are big Nancy Bardo fans. Uh, I just don't know if there's a state senator more important than Nancy Bardo. I don't mean offense if I am not thinking of someone I, I, I usually would, but I just think she is so important. If there's a big surprise uh, to you on Wednesday, would it be New York? What would be a surprise on Wednesday? Uh, New York, Oregon. If a Republican becomes the governor of the state of Oregon or the state of New York, Democrats should wake up the next day and be like, holy smokes, what do we do different and better? Because we just lost two states that should be shoo-ins for us. I don't think they will wake up and learn anything from it, but those two will be a major red flags for Democrats. Nicely done, George Kaloff. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Uh, uh, don't go away. We've got a hell of an hour coming right up. Be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.